0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Nebraska Cornhuskers 96 to 90 in overtime. The win moves Indiana to 10-1 on the season, 1-1 in Big Ten play. And you know, sometimes in basketball, it's good to just have the best player on the court. Because think <laughs> like, when you kind of sum up how Indiana won this game. It's because Trace Jackson Davis was phenomenal in the second half in overtime because when you just look at the way that these two teams played and the expectations coming in Nebraska a sub 150 team coming in just really really struggling in the first year under Fred Hoyberg playing at Assembly Hall you know against an Indiana team that had played pretty well at home Hoosiers favored by 17 and what happens is after a good start by Indiana you know Nebraska really took control of the game for large parts of it. And, you know, in many ways, you can look at it and say that Nebraska outcoached and outplayed Indiana today. But the Hoosiers were able to hang on. They were able to avoid disaster. Obviously, lots of things coming out of this game uh, that are concerning, and we're going to talk about them all. But at the end of the day, bottom line, the Hoosiers got a win, found a way to get that. And so that obviously uh, is a positive. But, man, a lot of stuff to break down from this game um, because I think there are going to be some some concerns coming out of it, and I think a lot of those are fair. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. We're going to break it all down for you uh, on this, you know, still kind of bewildered episode here of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I believe uh, when Andy logged in here, it's just what was that, and that's what we're going to try and figure out here. Uh, but let's start the show how we start every show that is with our banner moment. And for the banner moment, I'm going to overtime. It's 90 to 88. Uh, you know Indiana had had gone out to that 88 to 82 lead in overtime on the three by Rob Finnessy but Nebraska came right back knocked down two three pointers it's 90 to 88 Justin Smith grabbed an offensive rebound and it's only fitting that the banner moment involves a rebound because Indiana dominated Nebraska on the glass it's the reason they won this game that offensive rebound was Indiana's 19th of the game Indiana then gets it out kind of works it around the shot clock's running down They get it into Trace Jackson Davis, and he uncorks a beautiful turnaround jumper from about eight feet out. He scores. On the next possession down, does a really nice job of challenging a shot. The guy, uh, uh, whatever, Ivan Drago, whatever his name is, he ends up missing that shot. Demise Anderson gets the rebound. Trace ends up scoring again on the other end. That made it 94-88. to And, you know, look, Trace Jackson Davis absolutely carried Indiana in the second half of this game. He was not very good in the first half, sat on the bench some because of it, but he ended up finishing the game with 25 points, 15 rebounds, three block shots, and in the second half, he came out to dominate, and he did, and he and Justin Smith really played well together. One of Indiana's worst stretches in the second half was when Trace went out, and Indiana really stopped being able to get anything going inside, so he was terrific tonight, and that Stretch that sequence there uh, in overtime, which took a two point lead, push it out to six. You ended up being the decisive sequence, and you know it only makes sense that Trace was involved in it because he put Indiana on his back in the second half. Uh, showed great leadership, showed great playmaking. He was terrific tonight, uh, and you know the main reason why Indiana was able to win this game. All right, our banner moment tonight, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and remains based in Indianapolis. And you just have to get home field gear. Number one, it's comfortable. The t-shirts, the sweatshirts, they're made out of this incredible material. It feels so good. Even after you wash it, it stays comfortable. A lot of stuff that you buy doesn't do that, but their stuff does. And they've got the most unique IU logos that you're going to find anywhere. They've got the new uh, shirts commemorating the watch shot that they have there, uh, all the shirts that they released during the football season. Uh, And, of course, the potentially prescient nine win Indiana shirt that you can get uh, if you want to tempt fate a little bit, but uh, p- before the bowl game coming up, where Indiana actually has that ninth win on the line. Uh, but home field apparel, they've got all of that there when you go to the IU collection. And here's something that's very important to note. You need to order by December 15th to get it by Christmas. So whether you're you know, telling somebody else that you want it for a Christmas present or you're going to load up on Christmas presents for the IU fans in your life at Home Field Apparel, order by December 15th so that you make sure that you get it for Christmas. And because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at HomeFieldApparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20. That's ASSEMBLY20. You will get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order from our friends at homefieldapparel.com, the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. Okay, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, Andy, it's time for your bottom's line on this just very peculiar uh, victory for Indiana.
1: Uh yeah, I think my my initial comment to you when we got on was uh was less clean than the version that you described and would fit nicely into the vulgarity mix that you made made me over the years. Yes, um, it's just crazy to look at some of the statistics in this game. IU outrebounds Nebraska fifty four to thirty one, outscore them on second chance points twenty six to ten, bench points twenty eight to three, outscored them in the lane, um, shot thirty eight free throws, and. And shot, I don't even know what the percentage is on twos. I haven't I haven't figured it yet. But just offensively, so many strong numbers from IU. You had great performances from Trace Jackson Davis. As you mentioned, Justin Smith gets a double-double. And, and yet, Nebraska, a team that before Ken Palm Updates came in, ranked 169th in adjusted offensive efficiency, who just dismissed a double-digit score or suspended a double-digit score uh, ahead of this game, and, and really rode five guys for the vast majority of the game, hung around because IU's defense was just atrocious. Uh, the inability to contain dribblers uh, consistently put them in bad situations where they either gave up layups or wide open threes when, they, uh, when, when Nebraska could knock those down. They gave up 12 threes on the game uh, for a team that didn't come in shooting them all that well. Not that Nebraska necessarily, you know, they made. They did make thirty-seven and a half percent from three uh, for the game tonight, and uh, you know, nineteen assists on thirty-three makes from Nebraska. They were just really breaking IU down off the dribble, and and that coupled with the all too all too persistent um, desire to basically just relent and and take the shots that Nebraska wanted them to take uh, was really what allowed Nebraska to hang around in the, in the game. Turnovers at the beginning of the second half. Uh, were also a big issue. But, you know, in a game that IU really dominated inside, they took 25 three-pointers, hit five of them. I believe only hit two after halftime. They they took less uh, in the second half, but just far, far too often lacked the intensity to keep people out of the lane and lacked the discipline to take the shots and and really stick to what was working uh, from that standpoint. And so you give... Uh, a guy like Fred Hoiberg in Nebraska, a lot of credit for coming in with a game plan to, to pack it in and dare IU to shoot threes. And you can just as well chastise IU for taking the bait and doing that and really coming out like a team that didn't play with a lot of fire outside of those first few minutes uh, and, and did pick it up in overtime a bit, uh, but just continue to make really poor decisions defensively from a shot selection perspective uh, this definitely tests the win is a win uh, theory that that's out there, and it's I, I I feel like my my mood or demeanor or general outlook on this game uh, is is way more like what a loss would be than than it was to get a Big Ten victory, which is uh, I, I guess in some ways telling about just how poorly the they seem to perform for most of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, a win is a win, and losing this game would have been an outright disaster. So. You know, the announcers, you know, at one point we're talking about, hey, you know, this is a great performance by Nebraska because this Indiana team is going to be an NCAA tournament team. And I thought to myself, well, not if we lose a game like this, you know. So, uh, look, that's, you know, in addition to lauding Trace's play, that's the best thing that you can say about tonight is Indiana got to win. Uh, you know, and, and look, you know, Archie has talked a lot about what is this team's identity going to be, right? Well, of course, he's talked about defense and we'll get to that. But he's also talked about, you know, we're going to win games by getting to the free throw line and rebounding. You know, and Indiana really took that to the extreme tonight because I mean, those were the two things they were able to do, and it allowed them to escape with this win against a team that just isn't very good. And I think, you know, Andy, the the reason why I think for a lot of people it, it's going to feel like a loss, even though it was a win, is because the other part of that identity, the defense, was just nowhere. And it's another home game where the thing that you're supposed to hang your hat on is just non-existent. You know, it's it's one thing okay, you know, you go and you go up to the Kohl Center and you're playing at Wisconsin and yeah, you know, you get killed and the defense is bad and everybody's saying, you know, well, you know you're on the road in the Big 10. It's tough on the road in the Big 10. What there is no excuse tonight. Absolutely no excuse. Cue the coach drop. There is no excuse for bad defense, especially at home, especially against Nebraska. And you know, what we saw, I think that's really concerning, Andy is it's another example of opposing wing players coming into assembly hall, getting just incredibly comfortable as the game goes on, you know, shooting well, kind of feeling like they can make whatever plays they want cuz they can dribble wherever they want to go, they're not really being contested on catches. And you know, from just a strategic perspective, Nebraska spread Indiana out, and it's like Indiana didn't have any way to counter it defensively. You know, I mean they they spread Indiana out, they were getting drives to the basket, they were getting open threes, and you know, not only did we not seem to have the same kind of want to that we have to have defensively, but it's almost like we didn't really have a strategic counter to it either. And it was, you know, it was a great game plan by Nebraska. I mean, I I thought they had a great game plan offensively. They had a great game plan defensively. And Trace just happened to be much better than anybody else on the court. And that's why we won. But that's why it feels like that. I think that's why people are going to exit this game concerned and rightfully so. That this, this stuff can't just shouldn't happen at home you know it just, like
1: it had so many shades of of games from last year i think was what the worst part was i mean it just the, the complete i i, I it, it leaves you speechless because you, you you watch some of the defensive intensity in these other stretches it isn't to me an inability to do what the coaching staff wants them to do but i talked on Assembly Call Radio last night about consistency and and really tonight I, I thought even at the beginning when IU got out to a good start, they really still let Nebraska get the ball wherever they wanted. Nebraska just missed some shots in in deep. And and quite frankly, there was a stretch in late in the first half when Nebraska had made a comeback and they settled for threes on three or four possessions in a row without really trying to attack IU off the dribble, which the way that IU was, was containing dribbles was an absolutely huge mistake. Uh, and, and that really, given how they performed the rest of the game when they were able to drive an attack, could have put IU in a hole at halftime and really bailed IU out in the same way that IU consistently bailed Nebraska's defense out by jacking threes instead of trying to, to follow its game plan. But it really started, for, for me, with the, the defense at the point of attack tended to not be very good. I think that the point guard for Nebraska ended up with 10 assists. He had a good game. And, and, yeah, a couple of the threes that he threw in at the end of the shot clock were uh, were contested shots and, and ones that weren't great. But a lot of the other ones were guys being late on closeouts, not having their hand up. The last couple that uh, Thor... What I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name. Thor Bjornson. I mean, J- Justin Smith comes out, but he doesn't really have his hand up, and and they let him really get comfortable. They let him drive by, uh, you know, drive by him and get to the basket. It felt like whenever they wanted, it was, uh, it, it was it was really poor. And I, I think we've seen bits and pieces of that in in terms of that game plan of really spreading this team out. Um, and it. It points you back to some of the lineup questions because they they really they, you know Trace played the five quite a bit down the stretch, but he he was taken advantage of a bit on the outside trying to guard smaller players. He really struggled in that regard. Uh, they got him in a couple of switches at times, and he he struggled to contain those guys. So it really dependent upon how your opponent's going to play. And that's how Nebraska. Nebraska wasn't playing that way because it was IU. That's just their roster makeup uh, at this point. But uh, it really makes you you worry about playing some of these teams that have have solid wing players and and being able to keep guys in front of them because Nebraska could get the ball into the lane whenever they wanted to off the dribble. And it, it almost doesn't matter the other things you're doing defensively. Certainly the pack line, we talk about how important that pressure on the ball is and really trying to force them where you want them to go that just didn't happen and everything else broke down uh, from there and yeah Nebraska didn't come in shooting a great great three-point percentage but to your point they really allowed them to be comfortable from the get-go like I said even when IU got out to a big lead it it wasn't necessarily great defense IU played well on the offensive end and got some transition opportunities uh, before they were set up but it, it wasn't like they were really locking them out defensively. I, I as I recall, Nebraska missed a few shots right by the basket uh at the beginning of the game and, and missed some of those throughout the game quite frankly.
0: Yeah. You know, and look, you can look at this and you can say Indiana shot terribly. 5 of 25 from outside and that's true, you know, and that's probably going to be one of our worst, you know, shooting performances. I think we have better shooters than than what we showed tonight and Nebraska, you know, shot much better than they have 12 of 32 and So you can say, and Indiana was still able to win, and they kind of, you know, grinded out the win, and that's fine. But it's just, you know, again, it it comes down to process, and it comes down to, you know, if this is a game for a Tom Crean team, you're saying, all right, you know, we won this game, and we outscored them, and that's what we want to do. But I just, I keep coming back to our identity is supposed to be defense, and I feel like the defense is the thing I'm the most worried about going into every game. Are we going to have the defense tonight? Are we not going to have the defense tonight? You know, like we had it against Florida State. We played pretty good defense. You know, against UConn, we were pretty locked in. We played pretty good defense. You know, when are we going to see that consistently at home, especially? You know, and I don't don't mean to keep harping on that, but it is so important that you establish an identity and establish an identity at home and protect your home court. And they did. Indiana won, but you you felt like watching this, that they would have lost to the 12. any If if any of the other 12 big 10 teams had been out there, that they would have lost this game. And so when is that going to turn around? When does that become consistent? When does that become something that we can count on? Because that's what this Archie Miller program is supposed to be built on. And, you know, yeah, Nebraska basically had, you know, the perfect game plan to exploit the known weaknesses of the pack line defense. But, you know, we also just didn't just didn't bring it. Didn't have the communication. Didn't have the cohesion. Didn't have the want to, especially on the perimeter, where it kind of felt like we were just in, in defensive rotation the entire night. You know, and no one was able to step up and put a stop to that. Devontae Green was really bad defensively, and he didn't play. I don't know if he got hurt, if he just got benched, uh, but he didn't yeah, play. Much. Like
1: I feel like Zach Osterman tweeted something out about some somebody that I think it was Zach about him seeming injured when he when he it, went out but he did not play well defensively at all it looked like, so, no, wouldn't... he was
0: yeah he he was terrible defensively um you know and so i don't you know we're 11 games into the season now and i think we all expect that things will get better when when rob finessey is able to get back and have more practice time but you know he played 26 minutes tonight and did some good things but you know there's not going to be and, and and maybe this is a you know a good time andy to acknowledge Yes, I think the defense can continue to get better, and I think it will get better. But, you know, this may have to be the formula that Indiana wins a lot of games by. Just pound the glass, get to the free throw line, you know, trust that, you know, you're going to have a guy like Trace Jackson Davis who's just so good and able to do that because right now we just don't know what defense is going to show up um, for this team. And I, I, that that's just what has me the most bewildered coming out of this game. I don't have answers for it. I just have a lot of questions and I had hoped at, at this point in the season that we'd be further along than that with what is supposed to be the thing we hang our hat on.
1: Yeah, I, to me, the the frustration comes in. You've got a team coming in who has not really beaten anybody all year, lost three or four. All three of those losses come by at least 17 points to to teams like George Mason, Georgia Tech and, and Creighton that it felt like in that scenario if you're able to really exert your will on that team they're just going to quit uh and instead of doing that you not only did you not do that you actually played so poorly that you gave them the confidence and allowed them to eventually score 90 points in an overtime game that it just that that to me is what was at home and and you mentioned that part as well um just just the inability to to really you know knuckle down and and get and and just keep guys out of the lane, off the dribble. I mean, it was it was really that simple. Um, they talked about with with Cheatham the one time, you know, you got to know the scouting report. That I think it was Jerome that he went by, although he went by multiple people over the course of the game. So probably unfair to single him out. But you know, he wants to go to his left, sits on his right hand and watches a guy drive left right into the middle of the lane. Like I, I do feel like there is at times what seems to be an inattentiveness to where guys want to be successful um and, and and what what they're preparing for that the other team is doing it, it just seemed like IU was was not prepared very well for what Nebraska did i haven't watched nebraska enough this year to know if what they did was dramatically different i think i saw that justin smith talked about some of the backdoor cuts that they scored on basically every time they had one um being a, a wrinkle that iu either didn't expect or hadn't seen them do much i can't really uh, speak to that but but that was something i you didn't really adjust to and play better against as the game went on either uh and so it, it just it was a really disappointing performance it it sounds like archie's talked about the the road trips to wisconsin and new york um you know may have been difficult on this team but i just just the general lack of lack of fire and I, and and in this also so we I mean, we've harped on the defense and it and it's probably not the, the the greatest thing in the world to, to harp on, uh. you know, poor offensive play in a game that IU scored 96 points. But this team is not going to be able to do that to everybody on the glass. This was largely a function of, yes, it was great work on the glass by IU, but it was also a team that does not have a lot of size and does not have a lot of depth that you could really just pound into submission on the glass. Like, I don't know that that's a formula that's going to work against most Big Ten teams. And if anybody has been watching this game and, and I think UConn did some of this as well, we we've seen it at times from other you know, some of the other teams, but I think if anything, what some of the early season games may have hidden is the fact that this team isn't as uh as far along offensively as everybody might have hoped for them to be, because the scouting report for this year's team is not a whole lot different than last year's team. It's basically, let's pack it in, dare these guys to shoot threes, see if they take the bait, and we'll adjust if they make them. Uh, and Wisconsin did it effectively. UConn did it effectively at times. And um, and Nebraska certainly did it effectively tonight. So, you know, you say, this, how can this be the formula to win games? It, it can't be because th- this team is not going to be able to do what it did inside to everybody out there. Uh, And there hasn't been much when the competition is ratcheted up that makes you believe that they're going to be able to shoot the ball a whole lot better um, based on what we've actually seen.
0: It's a good point. And I think that's, you know, that's what underlies maybe our somber tone after a victory. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for those of you who are listening, be like, geez, guys, you know, they're 10 and one, you know, they won the game. It's, you know, because I, I think, you know, you're the same way that I am. Happy with the win, and we're going to talk about some of the other positives because you know you win a Big Ten game. There's there's good performances. There's good things that happen to make that happen, and we are going to acknowledge those. But you're always you know kind of trying to project forward and okay, what from this performance is repeatable? You know that that we really feel like is you know going forward is going to be something that is going to help us win more games. And to your point, you know how much of what we saw tonight is really like that, and how much was just you know man just really sliding by by the you know by the skin of our teeth and and just finding a way to get a win there's something to be said for that you know winning is a habit and there is something to be said for that no question about it but again i think this was a performance that gets us beat even on our own home court by all the other 12 big 10 teams and that's that to me is just not something i'm going to feel overly good about
1: so yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that says it all. I mean, Archie, after the game, we can't guard the ball. We're getting picked on on the bounce. Those guys really exposed us. Um, yes.
0: I know. I just saw a text I, come through I, from I concur. Ryan. I just saw a text come through from Ryan that has the word tequila in it. So I look forward to, <laughs> to reading my, my text messages. Maybe he's in <laughs> having more fun right now. <laughs> okay uh we could all probably use some tequila right now all right coming up as we continue our breakdown of indiana's victory over nebraska we'll talk about tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game you are listening to the assembly call stick with us
1: This is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier.
0: Thank you, James. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's 96-90 overtime victory over Nebraska Boy, that conversation from last night about whether Indiana would cover the 17 point spread seems quaint, doesn't it, Andy? We uh I, I <laughs> think that, that was a real conversation our, that happened.
1: In our in our defense, I do believe that most of us said to uh said they we didn't think they would cover. So
0: Not this guy. The one game that I actually I have not I haven't felt good about some of the other games we've won. I felt good about this one. So, look, I have no feel. I have no gut feel for what this team is going to do from game to game. So just remember that uh, because clearly the evidence shows that. All right. Uh, time, Andy, for some meaningful moments that you might have missed. And, you know, I really thought, look, Demise Anderson had a couple of really bad fouls there late in the overtime. But I thought, you know, with the way that Nebraska made that three at the end, and obviously, you know, they're really excited. You know, sometimes when that happens, you need something good to happen for you early in overtime. You know, if you're the favorite, you know you're the team that that kind of had the comeback made against you. And I thought Demisey really brought some nice energy at the beginning of overtime that helped. You know, he had that great steal, um, and then he came right down on the other end, got an offensive board. I thought those two plays were really big, you know, just creating possessions for Indiana. They were then able to, you know, to the credit of guys like trace and Rob Finnessy, you know, turn into points. And those were big plays by those guys because, you know, that's a real critical point. And look, we can say whatever we want. Oh, Indiana should have won this game by more and blah, blah, blah. Well, here you were, it's 82, 82. You're in overtime. Are you just going to wilt? Or are you going to find a way to win this game? Because that's all that mattered. And they did that. And I thought Demisey, Was a big part of that, you know, and the the announcer said he won the gold jersey, you know, for the most productive practice player. And, you know, he look in the first half, he was getting killed defensively. I mean, backdoor cut after backdoor cut and didn't play a ton. But, you know, Archie went with him and rode him in the second half. And, I, you know, I think he repaid him. I mean, he, he obviously didn't make any of his three-pointers. You know, it was over for 4 from the field. But, you know, those plays to save possessions and then calmly going up and, and making five out of six free throws, this was, you know, th- this was a mature performance from Demezi to bounce back from some struggles and be a guy who went out there and created energy. You know, it's nice to see that the guy played well in practice. Archie rewarded him with minutes down the stretch, and he was a big part of the reason why Indiana won.
1: Yeah, he his his shot selection was n- not good. Uh I would say he was definitely one of the guys who who was more than willing to take those three pointers. And and I don't recall any of the threes being bad in the sense that he wasn't open, but were shots that were taken at times that that could easily have been taken later in the shot clock. Um but he did he did do a nice job, as you mentioned, with loose balls. His defense was better in the second half. Um came up just with some hustle plays. There. I think that's encouraging for a guy like him who really came in with this reputation as a scorer um, to be able to impact a game in which uh, he didn't make a shot from the field. I, I think that's a positive development, uh, a positive thing for his development and, and a positive sign. And I thought the, the overtime was really uh, a few guys really stepped up to, to right the ship. Uh, Trace, you talked about, carried things in the second half and into overtime and, and fantasy made a number of big plays hit that three, uh, at the end of the shot clock, nice pump fake, let the guy fly by. had a good understanding of how much time was left Did that had some nice drives to the basket, uh, at a part of the game when, you know, they talked a lot about Nebraska's guys getting tired, which they certainly were given how many minutes they had logged. But Robin Rob didn't come out much, if any, um, in the latter part of the second half and into overtime, and he made some, he made some really big plays as well. So you had different guys step up uh, to make plays offensively. I think there's a number of guys that you can really uh, point out that, that had some good moments on the offensive end. It, it really is a defensive side that that continues to be a struggle. But I thought Demezi shook off, as you said, some some rough per a rough first half, uh, bounced back and played uh, played pretty well in the second half and made some big plays in overtime.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm committed to making these meaningful moments offensive plays that we can feel good about. Not talking anymore about the defense after that yeah. after that first yeah. segment. But, you know, one other one that I want to talk about. Trace Jackson Davis, as we mentioned, was great. I mean, he came out in the second half. Indiana was clearly committed to getting the ball inside, which was clearly smart and the right way to do it. And for a while, he and Justin Smith were just, you know, doing just great work together. I mean, they would get the ball inside, you know, one of those two guys would have an opportunity. But at one point, Trace went out and it was like our inside game just entirely evaporated. And there was a stretch of three or four straight possessions where we took threes. I think Armand took one. It might've been one of the threes that Demezi took. I don't know who else took them, but it's like, we just settled back into what we had been doing in the first half where we just started taking these three pointers without getting the ball inside. And Nebraska, after we had built a little bit of a lead, Nebraska cut it to 59, 58 trace comes back in, comes back into the game immediately he gets a big defensive rebound again one of his 15 and then on the first possession on offense Justin Smith got a layup you know he got the ball at the elbow it was basically the same thing they'd been doing before Justin got the ball at the elbow there was a little bit more attention paid to trace he really smartly vacated the right block because Justin was on the right elbow and that was an issue for Indiana times in this game was spacing and and things just getting too clogged i thought it was really smart by trace to get out of the way Justin drives in he scores that made it 61 to 58 Nebraska would eventually get it to 62-60 and then Trace scored again on an and-one, made it 65 to 60, and you know I really thought at that time okay, you know here we go, we got this 5-point lead. It kind of felt like now we we got the game back in control. And you know and it was Trace who did it. And and Justin too. You know credit to Justin. He had 16 points, 10 rebounds. He was really productive offensively, you know, and on the glass tonight. Um you know a lot of the same struggles that some of the other guys had um defensively. But those two guys, from an offensive standpoint, when so much was going wrong, it really felt at times like they just willed their way to points, and 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 smartly too. I mean, it was smart to to get the ball into them when they could. Uh, but those two guys really played well together and seemed to be developing a chemistry more so than Joey or Duran seemed to have um, with you know with whatever other big is out there. Justin and Trace really seem to have kind of found something where. where they have a good understanding of what the other guy is going to do. They're not getting in each other's way um, and, you know, helping to create space for those guys. So that I thought, and I thought that was a really big stretch because Nebraska was about to take the lead back and they kind of, you know, those two guys came back or trace came back in and kind of slammed the door on them.
1: Yeah. There were a few times like that where like you, it seemed like the lead would get pushed back up to a couple, two, three possessions. And you thought it was going to, Start going downhill for IU, and it never, never quite seemed to do that. But I, I did think Justin did some good things. His second half or his first half, um, w- was not particularly good from a shot selection standpoint. I think he, uh, he took a a, a baseline jumper that where he was kind of falling away, and, and both of his threes in the first half really, uh, I think, was three for four uh, from the field in the second half and overtime made some plays against the zone, and and that was what was kind of frustrating from a shot selection standpoint is when you look through that, part of it was Nebraska playing zone, and I, again, I I would question why they didn't stay in it longer, but when IU really was able to to get the ball into one of those guys in or around the foul line, they could score almost every time. They'd really just be able to drive by people because they could finish over top of whoever Nebraska had in the game. It was the times when IU didn't work hard enough to get one of those two the ball uh, in the lane, but for a long stretch, it was one of those guys scoring uh, it felt like nearly nearly every uh, every basket that IU got was was one of those two, or was off of something that that one of those guys did. Um, and so, yeah, Justin played 40 minutes uh, tonight. Another another pretty uh, lengthy effort from him from a, a minute standpoint, and uh, and ended up toward the end of overtime, I think, getting that 10th rebound to get a double double. But so some good moments from him at times. Thought he adjusted well, played better in the second half than than he did in the first. Uh, a bit like we talked about with Tamizzi.
0: One other uh, meaningful moment. I don't know if you caught it, but did you see when it was 82-79 with about 10 seconds left and they caught Archie over on the sidelines looking over at the bench, basically asking, are we going to foul? Are we going to foul? And on the one hand, like, isn't that probably a decision that you know going into the game? I will say this. If you haven't listened, there's a great episode of the Solving Basketball podcast with with Jordan Sperber where they kind of go over the data behind some of this stuff. And they're actually, I think, um, if I recall correctly, fouling up three actually ended up being slightly better from a statistical standpoint. But really what they settled on was just, you know, the most important thing is to know what you're going to do and be able to execute it properly. So that was just kind of an interesting moment to me. It did make me feel great to to think that they were making that decision right there in the moment, but maybe there's some context and it's based on who's out there on the floor, yada, yada. I'm going to, you know, on stuff like that, we're not coaches and it's a hard job and who knows what the context is uh, for that. I just know viscerally when I saw that didn't make me feel great and obviously it didn't end up working out very well and they drew up a great play and, you know, Armand, you know, was kind of asleep a little bit, got screened and they ended up getting that, um, Hopefully that's uh you know something that we have a little bit of a better plan for next time, but
1: yeah Archie seems like he mentioned it in the post game talking about it. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't quite tell from when he was doing that if he was saying that they were going to foul or to your point asking the question. It became clear as you watched the play. It looked it was to me not- like
0: he was asking. It looked that's well, well
1: it became clear because they at no point attempted to. So I'm uh I'm left to assume that that's the uh that that's the case. And yeah i listened to that same episode of, of solving basketball that you talked about and and that was the big takeaway was that if you haven't practiced it you're putting yourself in a really difficult spot to to know um and so i I guess my answer to the if you're to to any of that would be if you're asking yourself that within the heat of the moment in the game the answer is no you should not do it <laughs> right uh, even though that ended up burning i u uh tonight at least to get to overtime but yeah I think you had a lot of a lot of younger guys out there at that point, I think you run the risk that, I mean, hell, you just found somebody on a three a minute before that. So, um, yeah, it, it didn't seem like, I don't know philosophically whether that's something he's ever really talked about. And I don't remember other games uh, for IU where that's been the case uh, and, and seen what they, and and recall what they did. Uh, but yeah, I would say based on tonight, it, it didn't seem like something they had practiced or was a, a, a kind of tenant of how they want to play toward the end of the game.
0: Sounds like Devontae Green, uh, from some of the post game stuff, may have an Achilles issue that he's dealing with. I don't. Can you tell? Was he dealing with it coming into the game? Does that explain maybe some of the struggles that he had, or was that something that, and, and he aggravated it, or something that he suffered in this game? I don't, you know,
1: I'm it, it wasn't. None of the quotes that I saw around it alluded to whether it was an injury he had during the game, and I will withhold All snarky right. comments on whether it looked like he was dealing with it during the first part of the game.
0: All right. Well. Hopefully he's okay. Boy, I tell you, you know, another moment. Did you see when Al went down?
1: Yeah, he and got rolled up on that. Well, yeah.
0: he did. And I'm... I mean, if he ends up... If they end up saying that he's hurt, I will not be shocked because he was limping a little bit. And I tell you, if you look closely when he fouled the three-point shooter, remember when he fouled yeah. the guy shooting the three? I thought it the lo- same thing. I it know looked exactly to me like about. the reason why he fouled him is because his leg was a little bit unstable and he kind of stumbled. Like, he tried to plant on that leg. So... I don't know. Like I don't want to diagnose anything from watching the game on TV. I just know that looked ugly, and hopefully, knock on wood, and all that stuff. Hopefully, Al avoided a, a big injury. But the times he looked a little bit ginger, you know, he kind of was walking around a little gingerly on it afterwards. So I'm gonna hold my breath on that. Hold my breath on Devontae. I mean, that would be, you know, just the thing for the Archie Miller era. If you finally get, you know, two games with all your guards back, and then you know, one or two of them get hurt. I mean, good lord. Um, numbers. Well, do you have any other moments that you want to talk about before we move on from that?
1: No, I think I, I think we hit I think we hit a bunch of them, so I think we're uh, I think we're good there.
0: So numbers wise, we talked about the rebounding, an outstanding job by Indiana on the glass, as you said, due in part to a massive size advantage. But look, I think also Indiana just that is a habit that Indiana has that we just we attack the glass and we have guys who are good at it. So it's a strength that we should build around. You know, we talked about the shooting, um, you know, and Indiana does end up 27 of 38 from the line. So, again, the free throw shooting, the rebounds, you know, Indiana is really able to take advantage there. You know, obviously the numbers that stand out, you know, points per possession, Nebraska ends up scoring 1.11 points per possession. Just, you know, an absurd amount to give up at home uh, to a team like Nebraska. And Indiana gives up nineteen assists on thirty three made field goals. That's a lot. And and just you know, pretty much all those defensive numbers or all the offensive numbers that you look at for Nebraska, it just kind of suggests defense that wasn't very good and a team that was able to kind of do whatever they wanted offensively. Um, are there any other numbers that we haven't talked about? Well, I'll tell you the other one is forty two points in the paint for Nebraska, which is just a, you know, a crazy amount. So, I mean, they were able to score outside. They were able to score inside. Indiana did outscore them 52 to 42. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have expected them to get that many points in the paint, uh, coming into this game.
1: Well, especially you're giving up that many points in the paint to a team that starts one guy over six, five. So you, you've got that. And really those points were not scored on, on post-up situations short of a couple, uh, he made a couple jump hooks, but, but generally speaking, it was just straight line drives to the basket, uh, an occasional dish to, uh, to their big guy for, for an easy one as well. Um, the other one from a, we touched on this a little bit, uh, for IU, um, was some of the shooting numbers? So IU ends up shooting 62.8% on a two point shots yet. They took almost 37% of their field goal attempts from three point range. So, uh, and not to beat this into the ground anymore than I already have, but, um, that, that to me was something that I kept, looking at throughout the game. And that was a constant. IU was shooting in the upper fifties to low sixties from on two point shots, uh, really throughout the game. And, and the three point attempts did die down a bit. I think IU took 13, uh, potentially 14 in the first half. And they only ended up with, uh, I'm trying to look back here. Um, ended up with 25 for the game. So I guess, I guess it didn't slow down as much as I thought by the time you factor in, uh, over but, you know, just the, those shot selection numbers. And then there was a stretch in the beginning of the second half when it was basically IU would either score or turn the ball over. Um, that lasted for 14 possessions, I believe. They either scored or turned the ball over on every one of the first 14 possessions. Jeez. I think there were six turnovers in that span as I kind of looked down here. So that, that again, was another case. You, you kind of felt like coming out of the locker room. We had talked about that a lot. I think you even touched on on the halftime report the part that I saw was that there'd been times where the team had been lackluster in the first half and really came out in the second half with a lot of fire and opened up some separation uh, between them and the opponent. Uh, and, and it felt like that there was the potential for that tonight. It was, uh, you went in the locker room, I used leading. Maybe you weathered the, the storm as best you could. You took the best punch that Nebraska had and you were going to come out uh, and really take it to them. And from an offensive standpoint, you know, you got two two scores from Trace right off the bat. IU scored the first four points of the second half. Then you give up a three, turn the ball over twice, and and you know, and then give up a layup. So, it, you know, all the good work that you did over the first couple of possessions is gone, and and really just were unable to create separation during that time. Even though they were uh, offensively really successful when they were able to actually get shots up, uh, and by the same token, couldn't really string together. Uh, enough defensive stops to to make a difference either. That was another stretch that if you were going to really start to pull away, that was your opportunity. If you really came out, executed well on both ends uh, to start the half again, you got a chance to get a team that came into this game with so little confidence, or at least you would assume came into the game with so little confidence that you missed another chance to really put them away and let them hang around at the beginning of the half.
0: Last number that I want to mention is 26, and that's the number of minutes that Rob Finnessy played tonight, which is clearly a good sign that he was able to do that. And I think more important than the number of minutes is the fact that he seemed to improve as the game went on. Think back to the beginning of the game, Andy, and you're right, you know the, the, the score might not quite have been indicative of how well Indiana was playing, but the Hoosiers really jumped out you know, to that big lead 11-2. they had that quick 6-0 run. Um, and then Archie went to the bench and put in the bench guys. I think Rob came in, Armand, uh, Race and Demiziy to go along with Trace, you know, and, and we had been talking about, hey, let's play this small lineup. you know, the small lineup was so good against Connecticut for that stretch, they got torched. I think I tweeted at one time, it looked like the guys coming off the bench were just sleepwalking. I mean, I couldn't believe how poorly they were playing with Rob right at the top of the list. And I think that's kind of been a theme in the games that he has played outside of the Connecticut game where I thought he came in and immediately made some plays and kind of settled things down. He has tended to struggle in his first few minutes on the court, which makes sense for a guy who hasn't really practiced that much. And, you know, he did tonight what he has done in most games, which is, you know, kind of struggle a little bit early. But once he got into the flow of the game, you know, really got going and, you know, attacked the basket fearlessly, ended up scoring 16 points, obviously had, you know, those five huge points in overtime, maybe had more, but I know he had at least five made that three and then had that great coast to coast drive. And so, for him to be able to play twenty six minutes, sixteen points, four assists, you know, defensively, he's not quite back to being the guy that we know that he can be. Although he's still by far our best perimeter defender, um, but you know, now you just you hope that he's able to take that feel good and now be able to practice for a full week. And you know, that's the thing. You, you come out of this. Indiana doesn't play again until next Saturday against Notre Dame. Hopefully, that. That practice does a lot of good for them. Just being able to, you know, get guys like Rob who haven't been able to practice a lot, get that time together, you know, and look at some of these, you know, issues, these recurring issues that they've had defensively, and try to figure out ways to get them fixed. But, uh, you know, having Rob play the fourth most minutes on the team in an overtime game, I thought was a really good sign for Indiana. And maybe he did that partly because Devontae couldn't go back in. But either way, he played the minutes. He got better as the game went on. We know how important he is, so that was a good sign.
1: Yeah, there was a, yeah, there was a component of Al fouled out at one point. You got Devonte Heard and and Armand was was struggling a bit as well. So I don't know that there were a whole lot of other places to turn. But he did score. He scored seven in overtime and eleven of IU's last twenty uh, by my uh, by my count here. So I thought he, uh, as you said, and I, I don't know how much of that is the injury. You've also got a guy who uh, really is not all that used to coming off the bench at all. And I don't know if that leads to you know to things. Tighten up on him is when he's coming in off the bench, and uh, but I thought the same thing that you did. The more he played, the more comfortable he really looked. Even though uh, he clearly looked gassed at the end. Uh, I think he was in the background of somebody shooting free throws, and he was definitely, you know, hands tugging on his shorts and and uh, pretty worn out for a guy who uh, you know Archie talked about after the Connecticut game, not having uh, been able to play that many minutes uh, and really played a lot of uh, high high usage minutes toward the end of this game. So uh, a good sign for him getting back and into the rotation. And um, you, you've seen, we've seen a couple things change with the starting lineup. Uh, it, it has to feel like if everything continues to progress, well, uh, another one will be coming to get him uh, back in there as a starter.
0: Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call in our final segment, we are going to hand out our game balls. Then we will hit any other lingering storylines. We need to talk a little bit about our Mon, So we'll talk about him. And then we'll look ahead to what's next for Indiana with that Notre Dame game coming up on Saturday. Then it'll be time for last call. Stick with us. And they assume the call.
1: Zeisloft, I never miss an open
0: three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Nick. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. We are trying to make sense of Indiana's 96 to 90 victory over Nebraska. Uh, Indiana's Ken Palm ranking was 27th coming in. It has dropped to 31st. So, you know, for those of you who are wondering a little bit, hey, you know, why the, you know, the, 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 frust- the, the sounds of frustration after getting a, a, a victory, you know, that's, uh, that, that kind of shows you that a six point victory and you dropped, you know, four, uh, four spots in the predictive analytics, it was, uh, you know, not uh, not good, but you know, got the win, and that's ultimately, ultimately, the thing that matters most. Or maybe what matters more from this, Andy, is that they can take some of these lessons and learn from them. But it sure feels like there's a lot of lessons on tape now to uh, to learn from. So at some point, I feel like you know, some of these lessons, lessons had already get... been
1: presented earlier in the season. So uh... I know, I know,
0: just trying to start the segment off with a with a positive thought. Uh, okay, it is time now for the Trace Jackson Davis Game Ball segment, uh, presented by Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, He currently leads with five game balls. Devontae has two. Al has one. Rob has one. And then, of course, we had the one game where no one uh, earned a game ball. I think I know where you're going to go with your game ball here, Andy.
1: Um, Well, I mean, it's hard to turn from the guy who had 22 points and 10 rebounds over the second half in overtime. Uh, And really, as as you said, kind of willed them to a a victory, was a, a constant throughout the second half. And I don't know that he really went off the floor all that much. I'd have to try to in the uh, second half. The, yeah, he it was he that did one a stretch bit. where the offense. Not, just yeah, that was really it, apart. and everything went to. Went yeah, Archie to hell. probably yeah, saw he, that,
0: and he was like, "All right, well, you're not coming out of the game again."
1: Yeah, he played. Yeah, he played 22 of the 25 minutes in uh, in the second half and overtime. It looks like based on the the box score that I'm looking at. So, yeah, I think you got to go with him. I, I do think um Justin made some big plays and and Rob would probably have been the second guy I would I would choose just cuz he had so many timely plays uh there toward the end after the the slow start but really stepped up big when uh, guard depth was at a at a minimum in overtime and uh and hit some big shots so I those would be the the two that rose to the top for me or I guess the three if you include Justin but uh Trace feels like the clear choice.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I mean Trace is the obvious choice here. Um second for me would be Rob because of those big plays in overtime again, you know. None of us wanted to be there, and it kind of felt like a nightmare. Uh, but there we were at overtime, and someone's got to go make plays. And, and Rob was definitely a guy who make plays, you know, stepped up and hit some big shots. So that was nice to see. Let's talk about a couple of other guards that we haven't really spent a lot of time on. Let's start with Armand Franklin, who I thought was as shaky tonight as he's been. You know, tried to kind of force some passes. 0 for 4 from three point range, and I didn't really feel like the shots were. Not a lot of them came inside out. Like it, it kind of felt like they were early in the shot clock. Some. I don't want to say that he needs to stop shooting because I think you know we all feel that outside shooting is something that he showed that he can do in high school. It's really something that he's kind of got to do. I mean, we just we can't afford to have a guard out there that is another player that teams sag off of, and yet he's four of 27 from three, and. You know, so I, th- I think the answer there is, I mean, he's got to keep shooting the ball, but be smarter about when he takes them. You know, and and and, you know, not force so much on offense. He just never seemed like he was able to get in the flow of the game tonight. Um, and like I said, was part of that group when the bench came in the first time. That I mean, I just don't even know what they were doing. They just they looked terrible out there. So not a good night for him, um, and hopefully it's something that he can bounce back from. And hopefully the law of averages kicks in at some point and some of these shots start to go down. Because now it kind of feels like he needs one to go down, and it's almost like he was trying to like get that tonight, but it just ended up being poor shot selection that you know, just didn't give us a chance on those possessions.
1: Yeah, he had on the positive side, he had two assists, tonight. both of them were, were really nice. I think the first was off a, a pick-and-roll uh, and really slid one in um, for an easy, easy basket. And I think the second one—I don't know if it was off a, a pick and roll—but was a nice, nice entry that he that he had there. Now there were uh, a couple other passes that were shakier than that. And, and to your point, I thought the three pointers were ones that, uh, a, again, could have been had at any point during the possession and showed uh, a, a struggle to really stick to what IU was trying to do and what was working for IU. Let it doesn't even. To a certain extent, it doesn't even matter that that was clearly the game plan, but just being able to see that it was working and yet settle for threes early in the possession, uh, I feel like he did that maybe on all four, um, and that was kind of the struggle for me was the the shot selection piece of it for him. Um, just being one of the guys, he was not alone, but one of the guys that was really willing uh, to take the shots that, um, that uh, Nebraska wanted them to take.
0: Al Durham... I thought going back to the first half was when I thought he really played his best basketball. And I thought after the really strong start, and then Indiana gave up that lead to Nebraska, you know, the offense really struggled. And that's kind of where that stretch was, where it's like, okay, you know, we're taking all these threes early, we're not getting the ball inside. I thought Al was the one guy that really had a mentality of, All right, maybe I have a decent look now, but I'm going to be aggressive and get the ball inside and try and get a great look. And he had, you know, a couple of plays where he, you know, got inside and hit a floater, you know, got fouled, got to the free throw line. And I really appreciated that mentality from him, you know, and it kind of it felt like a much better matchup for him than some of the previous games. And, you know, he ends up getting 14 points, three boards, three assists. You know, I think struggled to get involved as much in the second half as he did in the first half. But I did think that that stretch from him in the first half was pretty important just to keep the offense afloat when essentially nothing else was working except Al being aggressive and willing his way to points when everybody else was just settling.
1: Yeah, I would agree with what you said about him really being more aggressive. Even the three-pointer that he made in the second half, he really hesitated on to take. He was just that open that he uh, that he had to take it. It's and a he, big and shot. He knocked, and he knocked it down. It was a big yeah. shot at that point in the game. Uh, but, but even then... I, this isn't a negative thing by any means, but even then, he was, you know, kind of making sure that that's what he he wanted to do. Uh, but yeah, he he ran out of steam a little bit in the second half. Uh, just struggled to really create shots in that way. I think he ended up one for five uh, in the second half and overtime, so didn't really get into a rhythm uh, that he'd been in earlier in the game. Did step up and knock down a couple big free throws after that that play that we talked about earlier, where he got rolled up on. Um, and, and you kind of worried about what that might be for, uh, for his knee. And I saw the same thing you did on that play where he fouled the guy on the three pointer that just seemed like he was unstable on his, on his feet as much as anything. So be interested to see what, what comes from that. Uh, I thought a really good performance from him and I, I, in the first half and it's, again, it feels like a microcosm of the team. Just the, the struggle to get consistency, um, from player to player, from half to half, from, minute to minute from from any of it really uh, it just feels like a big struggle for this team. But there are – Trace, I think you you have gotten to the point where you know what you're going to get from him uh, on any given night. And, I, and we talk, I feel like we talked about that before as we've gone through the beginning of the season of trying to figure out like that was one of the biggest things that was an issue with last year's team is that you just didn't know what you could rely on. Uh, and I think to kind of bring this full circle to some of the defensive things – I think the identity of what this team wants to be was one of those that can you establish that over this part of the season and just hasn't really happened. And, uh, and really outside of trace, I think you're, you're struggling a lot of times to figure out who, you know, uh, from a player to player standpoint that you're going to really, really count on from one game to the next.
0: A couple of things I just want to mention, these were, you know, I guess meaningful moments that, you know, just, we're not good. And and just little things like this that cropped up throughout. Let's, the let's game.
1: not add that as a recurring segment <laughs> to the show, meaningful <laughs> moments, moments that, that weren't, eh, weren't, weren't, weren't so good.
0: Well, it's <laughs> for games like this. I feel like it's warranted, but at the end of the game, I think maybe it was 78. I don't know. We were up by like two or three toward the, I think it was the second to last possession of regulation and Mac, their, their guard Mac had the ball uh, out on the perimeter and they, you know, ran a, a pick and roll with Trace Jackson Davis's man, and Trace and Rob switched, and then you know Trace got taken to the hole because you know he tried his best, but he's not going to be able to guard a guy out there. And I just thought Indiana's inability to communicate that better, have a better plan for what to do there. I mean, you know, to me, Rob's got to fight through that screen, and that that has to be something that you see coming. You can't just switch and then allow Trace to just get taken to the basket. That was just you know essentially giving up a possession. Um, and then late in the game.
1: Well just to, just to, before you go to the next yeah. one I think what also happened on that play was so then Nebraska's big guy takes Rob into the post and Rob was late to get over he really clung to the uh you know to the big man on the opposite side of the lane and and wasn't able to really get over and again kind of knowing that's not necessarily a scenario that Trace is going to be able to be effective defensively in you've actually got to be over there almost a step earlier than you normally would because you can yeah see what's going to happen there so before yeah you, i mean, those, just wanted to get that in before you go to the next
0: one. yeah i mean th- those just seem like basic things that uh, certainly correctable
1: you know that seems like something that's correctable and
0: so that's the hope that i take from this game is that you see some of that stuff and it's like okay this is a team that spread us out now here's how we're going to handle that stuff moving forward because they just didn't handle it very well And the last thing i'm going to say love to we talked about the energy that he brings all the positives that he brings to the table if you were to rank our players in terms of their passing from 1 to 11, Demezi might be toward the bottom. Why on earth is he inbounding the ball against full-court pressure in a close game? And he had that pass that just went right out of bounds. Yeah, it's a bad pass by him, and he needs to be better. He's a college basketball player. But I just I think as a coach, I don't know how you allow that, knowing the strengths and weaknesses of your players. I don't... And those are little things but i think you put players in position to succeed and that seems to me you're taking a guy and trying to match his weakness against you know the pressure of this moment and i just i was kind of flabbergasted by that
1: yeah that was uh, that was not not good at all my my daughter is the one of the designated inbounders for her 7th grade team and i was like don't ever ever do that in the game i was like do you she, she's like why would you even throw that i was like i don't know i do not know
0: Yeah, you know, and those are plays. They didn't end up costing Indiana the game, but at the margins, in a closer game against a better team, that's going to get you beat. So again, that's why we're frustrated coming out of this because that, like, that's kind of obvious stuff. And and I bet Archie would you know agree with that more than anybody. He seems as frustrated as anybody with it. Now it's just a matter of you know, can we can we fix it? So. You know, anyway, yes. To the to the point that uh, Brian makes, Art Demezi was definitely a net positive. I don't mean to pick on him with that. I actually just I don't think he should have been in that position personally. Um. So moving forward, we got a nice long break now, Andy. We got a full weekend, a full Saturday and Sunday to you know to enjoy without the pressure of an IU basketball game. We've got all next week. Indiana doesn't play again until Saturday, which I think is great for this team. I mean, I don't. You know, break seems like it came at just the right time. If Devonte has, you know, something that he needs to heal up. Um, you know, obviously get Rob out there on the practice court. We obviously don't need to spend a whole lot of time on Notre Dame because we'll have time to talk about them AC Radio on Thursday, and we'll do Banner Monday um, on Monday. But do you want to give us just like the real quick, like what's Notre Dame been up to and how, you know, what kind of challenge is that going to be um, on on Saturday? And and really, just what kind of win could it potentially be, given that it's on a neutral court, given where Notre Dame is.
1: Yeah, they've been disappointing. Uh, I, I would say from my perspective coming into the year, they were a team that I thought could be a tournament, uh, a tournament team and haven't really played like it. Uh, they, they don't, uh, you know, losing at North Carolina in the season opener and losing at Maryland, although they got run off the court at Maryland, those aren't necessarily bad losses. Losing at home to Boston College, however, is bad. Uh, they needed overtime to beat Toledo at home, and then outside of that, they haven't, beaten anybody uh, inside the top 200 on Ken Palm. So a little bit hard to gauge them. I think the Boston college loss at home uh, is potentially the most damning uh, of the ones on their, uh, on their ledger. Um, they are currently ranked first in defensive free throw rate. And IU uh, remains first in getting their offensively. So that'll be a, uh, a strength on strength that, uh, that you want to look at, but really their defense uh, from an efficiency standpoint has been better than uh, their offense so far, which is not really what you would expect from a, a Mike Bray coach team, but they haven't shot it uh, particularly well from either two point or three point range, and uh, so those are really uh, the biggest ones. They do have uh, a really high assist rate as a team, so uh, again, something to watch. You're going to have to uh, be able to keep guys out of the lane uh, as you uh, as they really struggled with uh, tonight with uh, a couple of the guards that uh, Notre Dame has in Princess Hub and, and T.J. Gibbs. So uh, it. it is a game that seems, I don't know. It's hard to say anything feels more winnable after watching IU's performance tonight. But, but if you had looked at it at the beginning of the season, it feels more winnable than it did then. Um, and but so from a, you know, top, is it going to be a top tier win when you would look at it uh, later in the season come selection Sunday, that seems unlikely at this point, but the, the scale for quad one and quad two wins gets relaxed a little bit as you get into neutral court games. So, uh, it would be helpful again, showing you can win away from home, and it's another potential non-conference win. I use yet to lose in the uh, in the non-conference, so it would be good to keep that streak going and and be able to uh, to pick up another another win away from home. So um, it'll be interesting. Notre Dame's always a like I said, t- typically a really good offensive team, uh, really efficient on that, and haven't been that so far this season. Uh, but given I use defensive uh, challenges in uh, in tonight's game. And then in some of these other uh, recent recent matchups, uh, it, it's reason to be worried no matter how poorly they seem to have shot so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, stylistically, it seems like, you know, on the one hand, it's a little terrifying given what we saw tonight. But on the other hand, it'll be interesting to see how Indiana bounces back defensively because, you know, Notre Dame takes a lot of threes. Indiana gives, you know, gives up a lot of three-point attempts and they're going to kind of spread Indiana out. They don't turn the ball over a lot. And so, you know, it's definitely the type of team that can give Indiana some trouble if they don't shore up some of the issues that we saw defensively so that's going to be interesting and it'll be it'll be a good test for how much improvement this Indiana team is able to make over the next week all righty uh you've been listening to the assembly call iu post game show remember that you get 20 percent off at homefield the most comfortable and most unique iu apparel anywhere use the promo code assembly two zero to get 20 percent off and make sure that you place your order by December 15th so that it arrives by Christmas. It's December 15th. And again, the promo code assembly20 for 20% off your entire order. All right, Andy, it is time for last call. Let's wrap this up.
1: What do you got? Well, I, among the you know many causes for concern, I think you could have after this. The, the other one that really, as you put it in kind of the context of the season is, This team has not responded well after its two biggest wins of the season, which would have been the Florida State game at home. Follow that up by going to Wisconsin and just getting throttled. Uh, And then you finding a way to grind one out against UConn uh, on Tuesday and then coming back with a performance like what you saw tonight. So I think that is concerning. The defensive performance, as we talked about, is concerning. It's just, can this team be consistent enough? Um, Can they deal with success when they have it well enough to – to really string together you know, solid wins and and get to a point where there's a baseline of what you can expect and and what you uh, will see from them on a night in and night out basis and and they're not there right now. Uh, I do think the the break we talked about that a little bit uh, on Assembly Call Radio as well. Uh, you know this team's got one game over the next you know, 15 days. I want to say 14 days. Uh, I think that's a positive thing for for these guys. Uh, at this point, there is a lot to work on. So the timing of having that um, is, is potentially good if they're able to use the time and really get some of these things corrected, uh, ensure that guys get healthy and, uh, and be able to play from there. But this was a really, uh, really disappointing performance on, on a number of levels um, just to, to the way they, the way they came out outside of that, that, opening stretch that that you mentioned, where they really got off to a good lead, felt like they might be able to uh, put the hammer down on on the basket pretty quickly, just were never really able to create enough separation. And even when they got it by eight, I think it was toward the end of regulation, just seemed to find ways to um, give a guy an open three, give up an easy basket off a turnover that really never allowed them to push the lead out uh, and and exert their will on what, by all accounts, uh, both coming into the season and based on what you've seen so far in the season is one of the worst teams in the league. So um, I think there's a little bit of playing to the level of the competition um, because two of the best games this team has played has probably been Florida State's certainly the best team that they've played. Um, there's an argument to be made that UConn is the second best over Wisconsin. So they've stepped up in, in some of those scenarios, but uh, like I said, have not really followed those up with good performances. So uh, a week to work on uh, a lot of things defensively before the Notre Dame game. Um, but this was a game that, if you want to get worried and say the Wisconsin game is not an aberration and you you know, like I said, there were there were shades of last year's team in what what we saw tonight. And I think that is reason for people to get their guard up and, and to be a bit concerned. Um and, and the reason for a somewhat somber tone show as a, a team goes ten and one uh at this point in the season. I, I think part of that though is that you see in the flashes where they play well that this is a talented team that's capable of Uh, of doing a lot. And it's starting to feel like there's just too many times and for too long of stretches where they don't play up to that. And I think those things at some point you have to figure out, is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it some of both? Um, It, it, it just is, is becoming a bit of a, a disturbing trend and we'll have to figure out whether that's, you know, we may look back in another month and say, this was really was a blip, but it's, it's kind of a troubling trend for, for a team that I think is capable of more and has shown itself at times this year to be capable of much more than what it showed tonight. in what was an imminently winnable home game against a team that came in with no momentum whatsoever that you allowed to score 90 points and hang around. Uh, so that's the, uh, Guess that's the reason we sounded how we sounded, and uh, we'll see how the team comes out. Uh, hopefully, with a better performance against Notre Dame on uh, on Saturday.
0: And of course, you know, context is everything. It'd be easy to look at you know some of the reaction to this game, be like, you know, from the outside, and be like, man, you know, you guys are ten and one. What's going on? And clearly, like some of the negativity to the extreme is you know unwarranted. Like the sky is not falling. This team is ten and one. This is a good team. They found a way to win. Like it's not all bad. I think to your point. We're measuring against what this team has shown that it's capable of and what you think an NCAA tournament team should look like in a team that plays in the upper division of the Big Ten in a tough conference. And some of the things that you saw tonight don't reflect a team like that. Plus, again, getting back to the context of last season, Indiana fans remember you know going through a non-conference and being you know being 12 and 2 and but having some games that were a little closer than they maybe should have been and kind of having some warning signs and then of course the bottom falling out of it. And so I think there's you know there's some of that and I think fans are just trying to figure out how much of the good stuff they can trust and how much of the bad stuff is stuff that might get corrected or stuff that's going to linger throughout the season and we don't know that yet. You know, but I think we all wanted to get some better answers than what we got tonight. But I will say this because Indiana won Indiana's ten and one, and we're going to end the show with a positive, and that's just talking about Trace, because you know this guy coming off his two worst statistical games. I think really the you know the two worst overall games that he played against Wisconsin and Connecticut. You know the only two games since his very first one against Western Illinois where he'd been in single digits. You know only got to the free throw line three times in those two games combined, and after a really poor first half tonight, bounces back to put this team on his shoulders. He is just a remarkable player, a remarkable athlete, a really good competitor. If you look at his Ken Palm profile, he is in the top 100 nationally in offensive rating, effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, offensive rebounding percentage, block percentage, fouls drawn for 40 minutes, free throw rate. And he's you know 129th in two-point percentage, 113th in defensive rebounding percentage. The numbers he's putting up, the efficiency numbers, and the counting stats are incredible. And I'll tell you one number, Andy, that you know we don't talk about a lot, but that is really impressive is fouls committed for 40 minutes, 2.7. He's never in foul trouble for a big man. And that, to me, is the most impressive thing about him is that maturity and the readiness for the moments that he's been thrust into as a freshman. He's been so much better than I thought he was going to be. And tonight, he literally had to put this Indiana team on his shoulders with, of course, assists from Justin Smith and from Rob Finnessy and from Demisey Anderson But he carried this team across the finish line. And this was a game that could have very easily become a disaster for Indiana and become just an ugly L that would have hung on their NCAA tournament resume and and schedule like an albatross. But Indiana won. We can exhale. We can move on. And so much of it is because we have one of the best freshmen in the country and one of the best freshman big men that we've seen at Indiana, a school that has had a lot of good freshman big men, And this guy is playing as good as any of them, as efficient as any of them, as mature as any of them. So great, great night tonight from Trace Jackson Davis. And if you want a positive to go to sleep on, Sure seems like we're in pretty good hands with that young man. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him uh, for as long as he is a Hoosier. All right, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk with you on Monday for Banner Monday and then Assembly Call Radio next Thursday. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. There is no excuse for bad defense. Fitting final drop. That this, was that was a fitting game. end to this one. That's for sure. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> oh well.
1: Eh, what are you gonna do? I know.
0: We won. I. I know. I feel better about it after talking about it, but it's there's some there's some concerns, man. Some major concerns defensively.
1: Yeah. Just the. Yeah, you just spin that forward to some of the other guards in the in the league. And if you're not able to keep some of these guys out of the lane or be in position to help against, against a team that really was struggling it uh, yeah, makes you, makes you a little concerned.
0: Um, but man, I laughed so hard today when my daughter was like, daddy, is Andy bottoms a real person?
1: (laughs) Was anything happening? Like, I don't know where, like, I mean I think like were you discussing anything with the show? I you wouldn't have been listening to it because you're on it. So I would assume that that No, wasn't but like either. it's
0: been discussed over like the last few days, you know. And so sometimes okay. she'll just like randomly I don't, I don't know why she picked you instead of instead mm. of Ryan to ask if you're real, but you are. You are real. Yeah, You are here. Very true.
1: <laughs> Very true. <laughs> that was funny.
0: Uh all right. Well, it's late. Let's all let's go to bed. Maybe the break is is the best for the fans out of everybody. Let's get a nice long break before we watch another game and come back with a fresh mindset.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hope the uh, crossroads proves to be another good spot for IU as it has recently. <laughs> Hopefully, all right, man. We'll see. So, all right, cool. Thanks everybody uh, for staying up late with us after watching whatever it was that happened in the game.
0: It's, we just need to not schedule Nebraska at home anymore. Apparently, that uh, is uh,
1: like kryptonite. Like it's, it's hard to do. Yeah. Although we managed to do it in football for for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, who knows? Well, all right, yeah. all right. Thanks. Good night, everybody. You later. With round the clock protection at a great price, your progressive policy works the way it's supposed to. Unlike this unenthusiastic hype man. Okay, everybody, let's
0: make some noise. Put your hands up We're We're not. It's your call. Here we go now. Here we go. Switch to progressive today.
1: It is electric in here.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big
1: enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player 5.